Hi, I'm Beck Rayner and this is the Military Wife Life Podcast, a podcast that celebrates, empowers, supports and embraces the women behind the military men by building connections, acknowledging our strength, focusing on self-care and our mental health. Let's do this together. Obviously, military life involves moving to opposite sides of the country and overseas, like you mentioned. What about those things that you hold on to just in case? Like, you know, you might be posting from Canberra all the way over to Darwin and there's no way you're going to need all that ski gear in Darwin and you don't know whether you're getting posted back to Canberra, but you better keep it just in case. So you're carting around all these just in case items, not knowing whether you're ever going to use them again. Is it better to pass them on or sell them or whatever the case may be and then worry about it if you do get back to that location or what what's the best way of approaching an area like that of uh, military life it really does come down to how much space you have available to store that stuff and you know i guess what it's costing you to keep it versus what it's costing you to let it go quite often i'll talk in terms of and i love it because you said the exact words we we talk about just in case items and just for when items just in case items are the items you keep you don't know when you're going to use them again but you'll hold on to them just in case you need them just for when items are items you know you're going to use again you know like a just for when item might be you know a tube of toothpaste you might have three of them in the cupboard your your supplies but you know you'll get to that toothpaste when your current ones run out they're just for when just in case items are things that you might have used a long time ago possibly can't remember the last time you used them but you're reluctant to let them go just in case you need them but if you look forward in your future you're not sure when that might be and you know they're the more obscure things like random size drill bits that you bought for one project which you did five years ago but you think well I won't get rid of that drill bit just in case I ever have a project like that again and I need something so you know quite often items will fall into one of either of these categories just in case or just for when and that whole idea of just in case items can be really tough when you move and to such diverse locations within Australia or around the globe with the military I would say some of the just in case items if they're really hard to locate or are really costly to replace it might be worth keeping them if you you know had custom made golf clubs even though you don't have time to golf in your new location but you think you know down the track in a couple of postings I'll be back to it and they would be really hard to replace then it's probably worth keeping them but if you have no space to store them and your custom built golf clubs are sitting in the middle of your lounge room and that real estate that space is really valuable to you and you really want to free it up maybe it's worth letting them go for now I think something that's really important is to look at what options there are for hire these days you can rent almost anything so sometimes you've got to ask yourself what is it worth to keep what is it worth to let go why do we continue to cart and store all this stuff if you have got so much sporting equipment in your garage that you can't park your car in your garage then maybe you need to you know reassess oh do we really need to keep all the skis you know when we're living in darwin and look if we sell them and we go back to canberra we can always rent them we don't we don't need to give up the space that our car could be in to keep this snow gear and the thing that i really love about the military community and the online forums and facebook groups and stuff like that is there's always people 
in a location ready to help you out. So you can either ask them, where can I hire this? Or does someone have this that I can borrow? We've just posted in. I only need it for a weekend. Does anyone else around here have that? And you know, there's that lovely family feel amongst the military where people get your situation and are happy to pitch in and say, yep, sure. I have that random shaped drill bit that you let go of because you didn't think you'd need it again. Happy to share, happy to borrow. And people are always happy to offer suggestions for where to find things. It comes down, if storage space isn't a problem, then there's, you probably don't have an issue with keeping the just-in-case items. But when it gets overwhelming or when the excess is preventing you from living the way you want to live, that's when you really have to kind of drill down and ask yourself, do I really need this? What are the alternatives? And that's where if you look at, you know, people kind of have a, an aversion to renting because it feels like you're spending money on something, but you don't get to keep it. But yes, that's so you true. Think, you know, like I'm going to end up, you know, I rent it for... $20 a time, but I don't have to bring it into my home, give it space, dust it, move it, find it, spend hours, you know, what's your time worth looking for it next time you need it. Sometimes it does work out cheaper just to rent the item and not own it. That's so but- true. Even things like bigger items, like a trailer, even a caravan, mm-hmm. like if you're cutting around a caravan, but you don't necessarily have the time to make use of it, you can actually hire caravans from people. And that works out being cheaper because you're not paying for the registration for it for the whole year and you're not carting it to different places when you post and storing it and all that sort of stuff. It actually could work, work out cheaper if you actually work it out that you know hiring it is a better option, even though, like you mentioned, in your mind, you think, oh no, that's just a waste of money. That whole, you know, having a bit of a community where you you can share and barter and borrow is so much more cost effective as well as you don't have to store everything yourself. And yeah, like you mentioned, it builds that community around you as well, because you've all got some common things that you're coming together for and can mm. actually lead to even, you know, posting within a, a defense group or Facebook group about, you know, could I borrow this from someone or could I rent it from someone might lead to a friendship that you may never have had because you've connected with that person on that level. Yeah, I really like that. That's a great idea. So I guess when we get down to it, in terms of posting cycle, like what should we be doing when we first move into an area, like at what time should the process start? Obviously, we should be continually staying on top of things if we want to be that organized sort of minimalist type person. But if we are posting to a new location and we want to do it right from the start, what steps should we sort of take to stay on top of things um, throughout the whole posting cycle and then continue that at each location? Most of us know, I was going to say in advance, some further in advance than others, obviously, about when you're posting out. But if you think you're coming towards the end of your posting cycle, you've got to set aside time. Like you said, we're all so busy. No one ever finds the time to do this. You don't usually have a weekend present itself where you have nothing on. So you have to like get your diary out, block out a couple of hours and set aside the time to, to do it. But what I would always do is find a trigger. So it might be six months before you're due to post out, or maybe it's the time of updating your inventory, you know, once you've got your posting order or whatever it is, find some kind of trigger that before you leave, that makes you key into the fact that it's probably time to do a good review of your belongings before you go. So make a plan or schedule some time and just scan your stuff, all of it. So, you know, you might go, I've got 
10 minutes before I pick the kids up from school today, I'm just going to scan my bathroom drawers, have a look in them. What haven't you used since you moved that bottle of fake tan that you used on your last posting when you're in Darwin, but now that you live in Hobart, you haven't had your legs out much, so you haven't been using fake tan, you know, get rid of it. Ask yourself some questions. What haven't I used since I moved in? What do I have duplicates of that I don't really need? Then you might have time on the weekend. Let's have a look in the kids' cupboard. What have they grown out of? Or, you know, by the time we move and get to the new location, will these winter clothes still fit them? Can I let go of them now? And if you clear this stuff out before you move, it makes the other end so much less stressful because, you know, we all know what it's like. You get to your new location and you've got to sort out new schools and daycares and stuff. If you've got kids, you've got to change your car registration, set up your gas and electricity and internet and, you know, all there's so much stuff, figuring out where your local shops and stuff are. There's so much of that to be done anyway, that the thought of trying to ask yourself the tough questions about, do I really need this? Do I really love this? Then box it up, find your charity shop, drop it off. It's just, I've been there. It's too hard. It's like, it's not going to happen unless you're a super person. (laughs) It's easier to just put in a cupboard and deal with later. The problem is once it's in a cupboard, we just don't do that. So it's so much later is when you get that toll notice to say that your next move's happening so (laughs) yeah that's it so it's so much better and you know I really think you've got to break it down into bite-sized chunks because if you think of decluttering your whole house it's too overwhelming and you'll probably never start I know it would be too overwhelming even for me and I get a real buzz out of it so it's about going look this weekend kids I want you to go through all the pen pots in the house and in your desk drawers and find all the pens and pencils that don't work anymore or the textures that are run out of ink. That's it. You know, it might be a 10 minute job, but it's that whole thing of just starting the process of letting things go. And then when you get into location, set yourself up right from the start. So if that means taking a couple of extra days off before you go back to work or trying to extend a little bit before you get back into the swing of things. Take that time to find proper homes for your belongings, organize items in a way that is functional and that works for you. So work it into your posting routine, like as in, you know, work it into your mindset of, okay, the first day is we get to the location, go check out the house. Then the next day is downlift and all the stuff gets moved in, but then working into your routine of, okay, then the next three days will be about setting up the house like not just doing the beds and living minimally until we can sort everything else like just in your mind having it that setting up the house to me means whatever that may be it means actually unpacking the clothes properly and the putting the books on the bookshelf and putting the pictures up on the wall if that's what you do I know some people that do that within the first three days and you're like wow you you really settled in whatever it looks like to you actually committing to giving that process the time Yeah. And look, I think when we don't make the decision, when we get into a new house, a new location, and we just go, oh, I can't be bothered dealing with those boxes of books. I'll just shove them in a cupboard. I'll just, I'll leave that to later. I'll, you know, when you kind of have all those unmade decisions about your stuff and keep the boxes around, I think it does prevent us mentally from really settling in. You kind of feel slightly disconnected and a bit like you're just still in transit or you're treading water. It's like you don't fully invest in the place. And I feel like it is tedious. It is a burden. But if you make the effort to not just unpack well, but make homes for your things. And, you know, that's something I always talk about. You should 
get to your new home and go, right, where are our devices going to live? Where's our charging station going to be? When our iPads and laptops and whatever else aren't in use, where are we going to put them? This will be, this will be their home on this cabinet next to the front door, if that's where it is. This will be home for all those things and let everyone in your family know that this is the home for these things in this house. So that then, you know, kids, partners, anyone that's there knows that this is where these things belong. And I think once you start using the language of where does this live? Where's its home? Where do our keys live when we're not out and about? Create homes for your things. Firstly, it helps you, you know, settle in and clear the clutter more quickly. But also, I think it helps you feel like you've got a blank slate. Once that stuff is done and sorted, it's like, right, we're done. We're here. The house is organized. And now we can go and, you know, get involved. Explore. And in- yeah, explore and here. find mm. the best hairdresser in the area and organize yeah. all those important things. It is a wise investment to put the time in to really settle in properly with your stuff. And maybe that's the time, if you didn't have time before you posted, that's the time to look at that box of books with the 10 sticky tags on from location to location and think, if I haven't opened this box in 10 posts, in 10 moves, do I really need what's in there? You know, do I even know what's in there? If this box fell off the back of the truck, would have I even missed it? You know, like you have to to think about that sometimes. You think, why are we lugging this stuff around if we don't even open? No, Especially so. if you look at the box and you can't even remember one of the addresses on there. You're like, wow, did we live there? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> I don't remember that address or that postcode. <laughs> Have you heard about our Lots of Love care packages? An anonymous and free box of self-care goodies that can totally make a military spouse's day. It's a way for friends and family to send an acknowledgement in the mail to a military spouse to let them know they're awesome and the Military Wife Life community has their back. Pop over to the Military Wife Life website after you finish listening to this episode, of course, and sign someone up for the Lots of Love box. One other thing, just going back to, obviously, when you mentioned just starting, you know, just going through all the pens, just picking one thing, like whether it be a shelf on the bookshelf or whatever the case may be, it can get quite addictive once you get started. You can think, okay, well, that was good. Tomorrow I'm going to work on this one area. Yeah, it's a really cathartic process. And I think quite often you feel feel mentally lighter getting rid of stuff. And sometimes it might take more effort because deciding to let go of stuff is one step, but figuring out where to let go of it too is also another thing. So, you know, some people find it really easy to decide what clothes in their wardrobe they want to let go of. But then when they decide where to give them or do they sell them, do they want money back? Do I send it to a consignment store or do I take it all and just drop to a charity shop? You know, and people can sometimes get stuck at that second hurdle where you've decided you are going to part with your wedding dress instead of lugging it around. But then you go, okay, what's next? Where do I go to? And there's You can Google anything about, you know, how to dispose of old trainers that still have a bit of life left in them. And, you know, you find that there's a charity you can drop trainers to that send them to South Sudan for wannabe athletes that don't have the cash to to buy trainers. You know, like there's... there's But then they're in the... But then they end up in the boot for a month or whatever, like the case may be. So it's like (laughs) committing to the whole process, not just the decluttering. Yeah. And that's why you have to do it in little chunks, I think, because, you know, how many of us have put a box of toys next to the front door that you think you're going to donate? And then by the time you get around to it, your kids have taken them all out and are all playing with them again. And you think, I only took those toys because you never played with them. And now that they're sitting at the front door, they're all you want, all of a sudden you want them again, absorbed back into the playroom and you think, oh. Or you put them at the front door and then you move them to the boot and then you end up going away for the weekend so you have to move them back out of the boot. (laughs) 
Not that I'm guilty of that at all. <laughs> I would say most of us can relate to that, that kind of thing. And I think, I think it's really important to build the triggers in so that you don't, it's not all just pressure around posting time. Like we have a lovely habit in our house with my kids, which we call give before you get. So both my kids' birthdays are middle of the year. So kind of in the months leading up to their birthdays, when they start thinking about what they want as birthday presents, it kind of triggers them to get a bag or a box and go through some stuff in their room and let go of some stuff before they bring more stuff in. And the same, you know, usually November, December, as we're leading into Christmas and my kids are thinking about their Christmas lists, I'll say, well, remember, we've got to give before we get. And they will go through and go, what don't I play with? What don't I use? What don't I love anymore? And for my kids now, they've been doing it so long it just comes naturally but it's really nice because it means and it's not like okay got our posting order right kids quick go through your rooms figure out what you don't love anymore it's kind of this natural habit that just rolls on regularly so it doesn't you know it kind of takes the pressure off and it doesn't become a big burden on the one person that's deciding to declutter that they have to organize everyone else so setting those little triggers can really help you to kind of just let the stuff go work it into life (laughs) Mm, that's it and so I guess when people think about what you do Tara obviously I don't think the first thought would be that they could do it virtually. So can you talk us through how you actually do it virtually and what people can expect if they want to get in contact with you and make use of your services? Yeah, absolutely. So I think the thing is, and you can probably hear the way I talk about stuff and letting go of stuff that I really, I really love this aspect of my job. I I love all of my job and I love, I love the life coaching and I love the declutter coaching. And I really worried that when we would post out that I would lose all my clients and not be able to reestablish the same kind of business. So I wanted to future proof it and I wanted to be able to service my clients wherever I was and wherever they were. And so I kind of had a deep look at things and the majority of the people that I work with do have the physical ability to clear their own clutter. They just need an action plan. They need to know where to start. They need to know how to move through the process and sometimes how long it should take. Like how long should I devote to my bookshelf? Are we talking like three hours or are we talking like 10 minutes? And and what are the questions I'm asking myself? And most importantly, I think the thing that is most critical to people's success is having an accountability partner to keep them on track. So it's a bit like personal training. You know, most of us know what we need to do to get fit and healthy, but if you're accountable to a personal trainer, it's like there's someone else invested in you. So they won't necessarily buy your excuses or your justifications. And you feel like you're letting someone else down if you don't follow through with your plan. And so I try and act as that accountability partner for my client. So say you wanted to declutter before you post back, it might be that you want to do one space. You just want to downsize your wardrobe a bit because you've got a million things in there, but you look in there in the morning and there's nothing to wear. So what we would do is do a FaceTime or a Skype call or a Zoom call, something, you know, online and using their phones or their iPads, they would give me like a little tour of the space. So say it was your wardrobe. I would get you to talk to me a little bit about how you're feeling about the space, what's working for you and what's not working, what you would like to see, how you want it to function, that kind of thing. And then you would give me a tour. So just using your phone, you'd say, you know, like, this is my wardrobe. My shoes are down here. This is here. I can't get into this stuff at the back, which is really annoying. I have too much here and this is overflowing, whatever it is. So then I would take that, write up a plan of what tasks you need to go through, what you need to complete, how long it should 
should take and all the questions you need to ask yourself along the way. And then if there's other resources, some people want a list of places that they can donate items to. Some people want other tips and tricks about how to reorganise their space. Should they use dividers in their drawers or boxes or, you know, whatever it might be. So then I would send the client their plan and then we work out a plan and a schedule. So usually it's anywhere from one to three months for them to go through the space step by step and get it done. And I will check in with them regularly and that might happen by Skype or email or I'll shoot them a text and go, how did you go? Did you get to the the shoe rack this week? Send me a photo of where you're up to. Have you got any hurdles that you've hit or roadblocks and you need some advice? And then, so we kind of keep the conversation going as they work through the plan and tick it off. And I find that that works really well because a lot of people can do it themselves. They just need that guidance and that accountability. And to have someone physically come into your home can be a lot more expensive because of the insurance costs for that person, travel time. And although it's great to have someone working there with you, it's a much more cost-effective way to do it yourself, but just be accountable to someone else. And I guess Um, a little bit more confronting as well, like having someone come into your space. I guess when you've got that divide where you're, you know, just giving you a tour via Skype on the iPad or whatever, you kind of feel like, not that there would be judgment, but like, you know, there's that little barrier where you're showing you, but you're not actually in their space sort of thing. Yeah. And, and I certainly feel that if someone's saying, look, you know, I eventually I want you to help me declutter my whole house, but but for this project, let's just do the lounge room. It's not like I've come to your home, walked through your kitchen with all your dirty dishes sitting around and, you know, laundry piled on the couch and all that kind of people can, can kind of control that and they feel a lot less vulnerable. And I think the thing is most declutter coaches and professional organizers have seen it all and there is no judgment there, but if it makes it feel easier for someone to do it virtually, then I'm all for it, you know, and, you know, it certainly works for me and it certainly worked really well for some of my clients. And the nice part is that it means you can work from anywhere. So I've just finished up a couple of declutters with two different women in the US, which is, I think is just hilarious that I'm decluttering their wardrobes while they're in America. But that's the joy of the internet and that's the joy of working virtually. And then the life coaching sessions are very similar. They happen via FaceTime or Skype. I sit in my office at home and the client, they might be at work, they might be at home, they might be out walking their dog, whatever it is. And, you know, that's more like a one hour coaching session. And then that gets followed up with emails and check-ins and that kind of thing. The joy of the setup is it means for me that I can have clients anywhere. So at the moment, I've got them scattered across Australia, a couple in New Zealand and a few in the US as well, which is really cool. But it also means that if we have an overseas posting, I'm not, you know, or even a posting within Australia, I'm not letting clients down that we're mid process with, you know, we're halfway through and I'm like, oh, sorry, short notice posting, we're off. Um, yeah. We'll leave you in the lurch. I feel like it's nice for the clients as well that they know that they've got someone for the long haul if that's what they want. So I guess if anyone wants to find out more about what you do or get in contact with you, you also do your own podcast. Can you tell us all about how people can get in contact and listen? listening to your podcast? Yeah, absolutely. So myself and another declutter coach, Rebecca Mazzino, she's one of Australia's leading declutter coaches and has been doing it for a long time. She's based in Adelaide and does a lot of in-person sessions and talks and that kind of thing as well. We co-host a podcast called Be Uncluttered and we give general tips and tricks on reducing mental clutter and physical clutter. We talk about simplifying your life generally and you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, all the usual podcast apps. And so the last six months, we've talked about everything from planning for Christmas, 
practical tips for decluttering rooms around your home, organising digital clutter. We interview others in similar fields to us or related fields. We do book reviews and that kind of thing as well. So there's a lot of information that we share on that. And then we have a Facebook community and an Instagram page if you want to, you know, kind of chime in with some of our discussions. So that's a really good place to go to kind of start getting your head in the game or if you want to just get a bit more general information. If you'd like to have a session with me or have a chat about how life coaching might work for you, you can find me at my website, which is www.basklifecoaching.com. So that's Bask as in B-A-S-K. And I'm on Facebook and Instagram as well at Bask Life Coach. And you're graciously offering any listeners of the podcast an offer. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, absolutely. I think because military spouses are my people, (laughs) they're my (laughs) tribe, I feel them. I get them and I know that the decluttering and starting the process can be a big deal so if you've listened to this and you think yep when I have a go I'm offering $25 off any decluttering plan for a military spouse between now and the 30th of June 2020 so just get in contact with me via my website or Facebook or Instagram and let me know that you've heard this episode and then I'll just apply the discount to your plans. Awesome. And so I guess um, whenever you and Rebecca get together in person, like an awesome Friday night for you guys would be let's stay in and have a bottle of wine and declutter together. Yeah, although <laughs> Beck's not, uh, that Rebecca, <laughs> doesn't she doesn't drink wine, so she would be drinking oh. I would be drinking. She'd be high on decluttering. So she would. Yeah, that's it. But it's great because I think Rebecca and I on our podcast, we have differing views on lots of things, which I think can make for some interesting discussions. And quite often we get to the same point or we agree on the outcome, but we won't necessarily agree on the path. I feel like I was more of a natural born organizer where she was the opposite. And she kind of came to it out of teaching herself and learning a new way. But she's definitely got a different approach to it than I do. So there's there's some interesting discussions that happen there that's for sure well thank you so much for coming on the podcast Tara I hope you've had a good experience I guess you have because like you mentioned you love 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 talking about decluttering and <laughs> yeah, all of this absolutely. so it's been I guess a dream for you to talk about yeah it. <laughs> thanks for having me because it's really nice too because it's it's one of those issues that with the military community I think we all get it's we all have the stuff when we move the stuff so it's you know it's an issue that comes up again and again I so hope you are able to relate or take something away from today's episode. There are definite ups and downs to military life, but let's get the conversation happening so we can see that we are all in this together. We are all just doing our best. So until next week, you got this. Let's do this together one day at a time. Thank you so much for tuning in. If this episode has touched you, helped you, or given you that extra confidence to keep going, to continue to hold down the home front, to continue to do all the things, I would so appreciate it if you could pop into Apple Podcasts and subscribe to the podcast and leave a review, a comment about what you would like to hear more of, or just some encouraging words. If you want to suggest a guest, I am always looking for new people to talk to. You can do that by jumping over to the website www.militarywifelife.com.au and clicking on our podcast page. I would love to hear from you. 